praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, we thank God uh, for this time that you've uh, taken out of your day to spend with us uh, just to share in some things concerning God's Word. Uh, it's starting to get cold. Winter's starting to set in. And uh, right here in Columbus, Ohio, we're dealing with some rain. and uh, seems to be a little bit gloomy outside, uh, which for some, many would say, that's kind of the year 2020. That's kind of the way the year has been. I want to, um, we here at Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center have been talking about uh, forgiveness. Um, we've been doing a series on the bait of Satan. It's a book that was written by John Bevere. Uh, very powerful, very thought-provoking um, book. And you may or you may not agree with everything that he says in his book, uh, but it has uh, greatly um, enhanced our conversation and our discussion of uh, having an offense against somebody, being offended by somebody, and living in a state of unforgiveness. And what that does, we've been, you know, going through this for I think it's been about uh, twelve weeks now. And uh, I think we have just a, a couple more weeks before we're done with that one book study and have our final discussion on it, uh, move on to whatever God gives next. But uh, I just wanted to share with you that if you haven't had the opportunity, I, I don't have any problem promoting um, another minister, another church and, uh, uh, in the faith uh, at all, especially if I believe that they're sharing uh, something that's beneficial for the body of Christ. And again, while uh, oftentimes many of us won't agree on every single thing that somebody says, it doesn't uh, mean that there's not worth or value in some of the things that uh, is being or that has been said or that uh, won't inspire in you uh, conversations with those that you love or those that you walk uh, this journey of Christ with, uh, especially in a time where we're not allowed to come together as much as we used to. Um, with everything going on with COVID and the continual push to uh, more and more isolation and separation one from another, uh, this is a very good time of reflection, a very good time to really begin to study the scripture and to know the word for yourself. Uh, too often, uh, we in the body of Christ have just been spoon-fed and we've just accepted everything that's been said. But there are a lot of things uh, that we've found in this study that may go against tradition. It may go against some of our religion. It may go against some of the things that we just accepted as true because somebody said it. Um, but at, with anything, you know, the, the Word of God teaches us to try uh, the spirits that teach us to uh, be able to confirm what is being said by what has been said by the living word, which is Jesus Christ. And I was talking with my wife, and I had made mention to this last week, but I was talking with my wife about uh, the seeming inability for uh, us in this nation to heal, uh, whether it's heal on racial um, lines, heal on socioeconomic lines, heal on class lines, it just seems that 
for as much as you hear the need to change and the, the alleged desire to change, you don't see much change. What we see is maybe efforts from one side while the other side of the sa on the same issue uh, reject those efforts because of an expectation uh, of something different and vice versa. And a lot of it boils down to the inability of one to forgive the other the way Christ has forgiven us. Forgiveness is, if there's anything that we've learned in the body uh, at GMFC from this study and that we're continuing to learn is that forgiveness sounds good. We're thankful to God that he's forgiven us. He has forgiven us of every one of our sins. Oh, praise God. He's forgiven us of everything that we've done, past, present, and future, and how wonderful that sounds. But for us as human beings to emulate that same level of forgiveness, we're coming to understand that as good as it sounds, is not as easy to do. And as one of the members of our church uh, likes to say often as we're discussing different things, it's a process. We do this step by step. We do, we do the best we can day by day. But even in a process, we should have an end goal in mind. And that goal should always be that in this body, in this season of life that we are living, our desire is to reflect God as much as we can and tomorrow reflect Him even more. And tomorrow, reflect him even more. And tomorrow, reflect him even more. Things may be a process, but a process without movement is something that's dead. And Jesus did not come to give us death. He came that we might have life and that we might live that life in great abundance. And I want to talk to you because one, one of the key things, or one of the foundational things about forgiveness that we've come to understand and that I've taught for years is this. Forgiveness really has nothing to do with the other person. Forgiveness has everything to do with you. It has everything to do with whether you live moment to moment, bound and anchored to the past, or you live free to move into a future where the past does not dictate what that future will be. A very familiar scripture, Matthew, the 18th chapter, the 21st through the 35th verse. It's a lot of uh, reading, more than we typically do. Um, you know, the typical is uh, one to five, seven scriptures and you kind of go from there, but I believe that this is very important, and I really want the world, the, those that are tuning in, I'm speaking to the world, not just to GMFC, but to everyone that tunes in to this broadcast, I'm speaking to you, and, and I encourage you to take heart to the things that are going to be said. I don't plan to be before you long, I just want to drop some seeds into the soil of your life. And then I'll pray that those seeds take root 
so that a tree of freedom can grow right in the center of the garden of your life. Matthew, the 18th chapter, starting at the 21st verse, reads like this. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant, the same servant, went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. When you look at this text, you really see a question. And in the culture and time and season in which we are living, I think it's a fair question. It fits the culture, it fits the framework of the church and uh, kind of the theology of the outside world, uh, which is a very wicked society, starkly different from the church. There's a stark difference between these fields of view on forgiveness, how it's obtained, who should receive it, who's responsible to give it, and who's responsible to not give it. Now the church, at least the concept is that the church believes in forgiveness without merit, while the world has adopted a more harsh understanding where forgiveness is not something that is given, it is something that is earned. It is something that you have to work for. It is something that uh, you may never be able to attain because you may never be able to do enough to pay for the forgiveness that you seek. Now I want to talk to you about this. The Lord says otherwise, but uh, I feel that he's leading me in this direction to share this uh, with you. 
for some in you know our ministry, uh, some of this may be a refresher. And I can tell you in my prayers, in my conversations with God, that some of us need a refresher, even though we're right in the middle of a study over this. Some things we need to hear. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Something that is repetitive. Something that we struggle with because we, we resist what we've heard the first time, so God repeats it. He repeats it. There's value in repeated information. There's value in God, in what God is trying to share with you today. I don't want to brush over this, but I'm not going to worry your patience either. Because this is a topic of great debate. It's a discussion in and outside the body of Christ. You see, logic would dictate those that have been forgiven most should be the ones that understand the most and be the ones in the position to forgive as quickly as they were forgiven. But I have found in my experience, especially in the body of Christ, with my own brothers and sisters in Christ, that the church's forgiveness is sometimes very hard to come by. We're ready to forgive some for some things, but we are not ready to forgive everyone for everything. And this is a, a major issue that I see in the body of Christ that's limiting our ability to walk in the freedom that God has given us through Jesus our Lord. And it's something that we need to get free from. So how often are we to forgive somebody? Does God expect us to forgive and forgive no matter the abuse and no matter how many times someone has done us wrong, how many times we've been victimized by any offense. And I want to examine for as much time as we have today how Jesus responded to this same question. Because the question that was posed to Jesus is the same question that we pose ourselves today. We separate, we uh, have a top 10, so to speak, of uh, what you can and can't be forgiven from. Some things we look at as, eh, that's okay, um, I can let that go, while other things impact us a lot differently. And because they impact us a lot differently and we're dealing with them differently, uh, we respond to others differently as a result. There's, there is the spirit and then there's the practice of forgiveness. There's the spirit of forgiveness, and then there's the practice of forgiveness. Let's take a look at exactly what happened between Peter and Jesus in this discussion that they had that has continued in the body of Christ ever since. You see, Peter asks about forgiving. He wants to know whether or not he should forgive. Now, understand, Peter is talking about a brother, a person in the body. He's talking about th th this is... This is a conversation that starts as members uh, one to another. So uh, look at your fellow church member, your fellow uh, family member, and, and kind of think in that context. And Peter's wanting to know, uh, 
basically is forgiveness limited or can you exhaust forgiveness? Peter's concern is about forgiving another Christian brother, a fellow disciple. I want you to think about uh, today uh, a fellow brother or sister in your own church, a brother or sister, a mother or father in your own family, people that you work with. I want you to begin to expand your thinking. But Peter here is talking about somebody uh, in the body. Now, to forgive somebody seven times for things that they have done to bring wrong to you is very generous. It's actually far more generous than most of us actually do. And we think that that's a good thing. And as a matter of fact, many of us um, have begun to believe that if you forgive more than that, you're showing signs of weakness and um, a um, self-deprecating uh, lifestyle in the sense of, uh, you allow anyone to do anything to you, then what is really going on? It, it, as a matter of fact, there is great strength demonstrated in forgiveness and in how many times you're willing to forgive. So Jesus answers his question and no cliffhanger here. He simply says that forgiveness has no limit. Forgiveness is connected to relationship and relationship are connected to unity. I want you to think about that. Forgiveness is connected to relationships and relationships are connected to unity. Think about your own relationships that you're in. Think about um, maybe some of the struggles you're having right now in those relationships. Now I want you to apply this uh, kind of definition of forgiveness to your own struggles with those with whom you are in relationship with. Is your relationship suffering because the unity in that relationship is strained? And is the unity in that relationship strained because there's something that is being harbored that you have not simply let go of, forgiven that person for, and as a result, every aspect of your relationship with that person now is touched by the unforgiveness that's in your heart. 70 times 7 is 490. But this is not the point that Jesus is making. Because the question is, how often should we forgive a brother? Peter, till 7 times? Jesus, no until 70 times 7. What Jesus is meaning here is 70 times 7 times 70 times 7 times 70 times 7 throughout the eternity of our existence. You see, forgiveness is a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the mind. Many of us, because relationships have become broken and we've sealed our hearts from somebody, that has harmed us in, in some way. We struggle with forgiveness because it's a matter of the very thing that we have sealed away from the very person we're struggling with forgiveness. You cannot forgive somebody in your mind. You have to forgive them as something that flows out of your heart. You see, the mind will only keep a record of the wrong. 
it cannot release somebody from the wrong. A spirit of forgiveness does not measure and limit the number of times it will forgive. A spirit of forgiveness will tolerate being wronged and hurt time after time. It will allow you and put you in the same position to be harmed in the same manner again and again and again. Now, I know that some of us are struggling with, well, why in the world does that make sense? Knowing the Word of God uh, as I do in my walk with the Lord, I found that there are a lot of things that don't make human sense that make godly sense. And there are several reasons why the spirit of forgiveness knows no limit, no measure, no number of times that it will forgive. You see, Forgiveness is a thing of the spirit. It's a quality of the spirit. In all spiritual things, substances and realities, such as love, mercy, grace, joy, forgiveness, cannot be measured, nor can they be limited. They are by their very nature spiritual and not physical. Therefore, they are without measure or without limit. So they have to be known and practiced the same way that they are, and that is without limit or measure. I often hear people say when they talk about love that they, I, I love you this much, or I love you this much. And I love it. Uh, one, of, one of my, I'm a big, you know, hero nerd, and uh, I like sci-fi and stuff like that, those that know me, and uh, one of the things that was, you know, in those tearjerker movies and the latest Marvel, uh, the uh, last uh, group of the of the Marvel that they had out there uh, was when uh, Stark's daughter says, I love you 3,000. Is she trying to say that there's a limit to her love? Or was she trying to say that there is no limit to her love? She loves him so much that there is no limit. And they would keep keep going back and forth and uh, he made a joke to Potts who in this movie was his wife and uh, says she only loves you a little bit in other words there's only a little bit of li there's only there's a limit to the love that she has for you but she loves me 3,000 in other words there's no limit to the love she has for me and oftentimes I found that when I engage people in life and I talk with them I find that we put limits on a lot of different things we put limits even on the love that we have. If the Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sin, but we put limits on that love, then what we're doing really is drawing a bright line in the sand that says you can come up to this point, but after this, you're cut off. Thanks be to God that Jesus did not do that for us. He said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. The love that Jesus had for us was demonstrated in the wealth and endlessness of it. You see, we are to experience and practice forgiveness at every opportunity. Forgiveness is is a uh, 
is the reality of our spiritual journey because it is part of our spiritual life. And the spirit of forgiveness is to forgive ad infinium, infinitum, ad infinitum. In other words, without limit, we are to continue to walk in the state and measure and practice of forgiveness. That's what we're supposed to do as believers. In doing this, we are at every opportunity uh, uh, operating in a manner in which we're saying our relationship is not destined to fail because of the offenses that we may have committed one to another, but there's always opportunity for restoration and reconciliation in our relationship. I operate with a spirit of forgiveness or I operate with the modus operandi of restoration. You cannot be restored where forgiveness is not practice. This is why some marriages are struggling right now. They're struggling to be restored. Restored to what? A place of unity and peace. Why? Because there's harbored unforgiveness and Here's the crazy thing. Sometimes the unforgiveness has nothing to do with the other part of that marriage um, equation. But it's that part being affected by the unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody else in a prior relationship that is now affecting your current relationship and causing disunity in your spirit and the spirit of the one that you say now you love, even to the point where sometimes we question whether or not there's any validity to the love that we declare we have. You see, good human relationships are impossible without a forgiving spirit. Offending others is common to all. We, we are, we're all sinful and we all offend. And, and oftentimes we offend much too often. No one walks perfectly or anywhere close to what we should because we're walking in our flesh. And the more you, you walk in your flesh, the more you walk under the power of your flesh, the more capacity you have to fail. This is why the Bible tells us, crucify our flesh, that our flesh is dead, kill it daily, that we might walk in the power of the life of Christ that is now alive in us so that we don't have to walk in that sinful nature but we can walk in our redemption, not in who we were, but in who we are now after the knowledge of Christ. I can walk in the revelation of the power of God that is dwelling richly in this earthen vessel. The excellency of the power of God that's dwelling in me to empower me to do all things that fulfill his will and demonstrate his life in mine. But oftentimes we struggle with this human existence. We have to accept that no one walks perfectly or anywhere close to what we should. And if we kept score, there would be little time to do anything else. To keep relationships healthy, we need to know a, a few things. Coming short and failing or offending are common to all of us. Let me tell you how simple an offense could be. And how often many of us do this. We all offend somebody else by failing to smile. 
you know, you've heard it. We've been in church. Those of us that are listening to this broadcast today, are, we're not strangers to church. Uh, and, and if you are, I'm sure you've heard comedians talk about this. He didn't smile at me or she didn't smile at me. We failed to greet one another, to be gentle. One of the hardest things uh, to, to get somebody to understand in the body of Christ is how harsh we can speak one to another and how a calm and soft word accomplishes more. Many times we struggle with being humble and brings, it brings an offense, with controlling our emotions and it brings an offense. Uh, with using our words properly. What are our words supposed to do? Edify, build up, encourage, uplift, yet we uh, oftentimes don't do that, especially if we're dealing with an offense. We're supposed to be unselfish, non-irritable, unprovoked, long-suffering, living in a joyful manner, yet many of us can testify, and I'm just speaking of ourselves, that sometimes we struggle with these very things. And all of these things are connected to relationships. And many of us fail in them daily. And we have to stop expecting perfection out of people. We have to stop expecting people to do what we want them to do or what we would do if we were in their circumstances. We have to expect or stop expecting perfection. So then as we've learned in the study that we've been going through, expectation plays a part in our ability to be offended, which determines the level of the unforgiveness that we're willing to uh, impart in any given scenario. Offending others is usually unintentional and unknown. All of us offend others, but we are often unaware that we've even offended somebody. The reasons that we fail others are innumerable, but co common causes are preoccupation of thought, heavy hearts and minds, and trials and problems that consume our thoughts. The strife that's in our own life, in our ability to deal with that strife, often has us in a place where we uh, inadvertently or uh, unconsciously do things that are offensive to somebody else which requires somebody else to be living in a state of unforgiveness so that our relationship with that person does not become broken. We offend others as much as they offend us. Let me say that again. We are just as offensive as we complain others are offensive towards us. Why? Because we are just as human as the next person. And we need, to for, we need to forgive, and we need forgiveness as much as that next person. Now, the common response to being offended is to react. We typically react by withdrawing, taking vengeance, or wallowing around in self-pity, and uh, in a spirit of unforgiveness, having that attitude towards somebody. Many revel in the attention that's secured by being the subject of abuse instead of handling the matter quietly in a true spirit of reconciliation. We try to cause others to see things our way rather than seeing things God's way. In other words, I want you to 
qualify and sanctify my pain because of the offense that has happened to me. So I get you to buy in to why I'm not forgiving and then validate that unforgiveness by saying or agreeing that they too would not forgive, which empowers me to be more unforgiving. An unforgiving spirit shows that a person is basically, and I'm sure this is going to offend some folks, but an unforgiving spirit shows that you're self-centered, that you're spiritually immature, and that you're ignorant of the fact that you're harboring a spirit of unforgiveness and until you deal with the root cause of whatever your struggle of unforgiveness is, it's going to have a dynamic and dramatic effect on all the relationships that you are in. You see, unforgiveness reveals that a person has not grown to be like Christ, like his nature of understanding, like his compassion, or like his endless love for us. You see, a forgiving spirit understands the nature of man is sinful and offending, and the nature of God is spiritual and forgiving. To whom much has been forgiven should understand great the power of forgiveness, the liberating freedom that it brings. You see, peace and health can be preserved only through a forgiving spirit. An unforgiving spirit causes as much disturbance and division in the body of the one that has been offended. An unforgiving spirit has stooped to the level of the alleged offender and has actually, in fact, become an offender themselves. I want you to think, as long as there is an unforgiving spirit, there will never be peace. And that is so paramount to what's going on today. You see, we think that because we disagree, that we cannot have peace. But you can be in a state of disagreement while also in a state of peace when your disagreement is not empowered by unforgiveness. You see, disturbance, conflict, and division prevail where unforgiveness is hidden. An unforgiving spirit also affects your emotional state of being, your mind and your body. It's the very lack of peace, the lack of a good relationship with God and man that disturbs the normal functioning of your very body, your mind, and your emotion. This is where physical conditions begin to reveal themselves like ulcers, uh, blood pressure issues, disturbed thoughts and emotions. Uh, the list goes on, whether it's psychological, whether it's physiological, all these things are affected by the things that you harbor within your spirit. 1 Peter 4 and 8 says this, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of of sins, 1 Peter 4 and 8. What's Peter talking about? Love. Then John says this in 14 and 27. Peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I wanted to shake up the soil of your ground and sow these beginning seeds to provoke thought, to encourage growth, and to inspire a mind of liberation. I encourage you, I implore you, analyze some of the things that are going on in your life. We'll talk more about this next week, but between now and then, analyze some of the things that are going on in your life, things that are connected to relationships you have with others. Not so much those that are disconnected, we're not at that point yet, but to those that are close to you, like your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, those in your familial circle, the extended family, those that we're close with, that we call family, our brothers and sisters in the body, members of our same assembly. Think about some of these relationships. Are they strained? What is the cause of the strain? Am I harboring something against them? Have they wronged me? If they have, am I supposed to free them and in turn free myself? Can I let go? Do I even have the power within myself? If you do it from the heart and Christ is your hope, you have been empowered already to live as he lived, to do as he has done, to do as he is doing, to do as he will do. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace. May the Lord open your mind and your heart to seeing the core of your struggle in broken relationships that you may have and empower you by connecting you to the very power that he has already implanted in you so that your relationships can be restored, peace can be gained, freedom can be had, and you can enjoy the power that is in you to live an abundant life. God be praised in all things. Know that I'm praying for you and your success in this endeavor to live a life full of unforgiveness turned to forgiveness. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday and a wonderful Thanksgiving that's coming up. Let this be the opportunity a season where families come together to come together with your family. Now, you may have to do it differently than you normally do because of all the things that are going on in our society with the virus, but you can still get on the telephone, get on the cellular phone, get on the um, Microsoft Teams or 
the Zoom or uh, WebEx or whatever. Make contact with your family. As a matter of fact, I believe that Zoom is even, if you have a free account, removing limitation. An excellent opportunity in a season of Thanksgiving to thank God for the family that you still have and to work on restoring your relationships. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful day.